Welcome back to the 49ers official You've Got Mail podcast sponsored by Manscaped. This week, I'm thrilled to be joined by three-time Super Bowl champion and two-time Dallas Cowboys Pro Bowl fullback Darrow Moose Johnston, who's entering into his 20th NFL on Fox season. He'll be calling this Sunday's game against the Giants heading back to MetLife Stadium. There's a number of storylines that we can get into, but we're going to begin from a fan perspective. And you're looking at this game, 49ers week one, fall to the Arizona Cardinals and a close match came down to the wire. Week two, you get the win, but you suffer a number of injuries en route to getting that win. Do 49ers fans press that panic button yet? No, not at all. Absolutely not. Uh, I, and I think really because of what they did last year, I, I don't think I don't think Kyle Shanahan and his staff got enough credit for what they're able to do without both tackles, Kyle Juszczyk. Uh, I mean, you had key people out of the lineup last year and, and really played well uh, with those guys out of the lineup. Now, you know, very different with a guy like Nick Boza, um, you know, but still you talk to an offensive coordinator and tell him, Hey, you know, you're going to be without your, your starting left tackle and your starting right tackle for an extended period of time. That will really shift what you're able to do as a play caller. So I think based on what they were able to do last year as they fought through some of the injury situations. And then really, in my opinion, watching the Arizona game, uh, you know, that was a game that, that San Francisco should have won. You know, they, they made the, you know, critical mistakes. Uh, they allowed Kyler Murray, uh, to make some plays at, at times. Uh, and, you know, that was a game that that I think they'll look back on and, and feel that they uh, they let that one slip through their fingers. You know, it's one thing uh, to get beat, but it's another thing to lose a game. And I, and I think that San Francisco lost that game. I don't I don't think Arizona beat them. Um, so th- there should be a lot of positive right now in week two. And, and I like the tone that Kyle's talking about. Um, you know, we've done this before. We've got a deep team now, um, you know, credits John Lynch and uh, in the personnel department with everything that they've done to, to get a deep roster. And, and now you just challenge guys. He's confident in that talent level. And now it's time to see it on the field. Deep rosters. Uh, one of the deepest position groups coming into the season was the D line, same as last year. But now in a matter of a game, you lose a guy like Nick Bosa, who is, I would say it's almost impossible to replicate his exact production. Uh, also a guy like Solomon Thomas D Ford won't be on hand as the 49ers face the giants, but 49ers are able to bring in a guy like Ziggy Ansa. What does he bring to this D line? And what do you think the 49ers hope that he can help uh, lift some of that load with some of these guys out? Yeah, the big thing is, is is just making sure that that you you keep Ziggy healthy. Um, you know, when he's when he's healthy, he's a good player. He's got familiarity uh, with, with his old coach from uh, from back at Detroit. Um, you know, along with Kerry Hyder. Kerry Hyder's an under the radar player. Um, I liked him in Detroit. Uh, I liked him in Dallas last year. Uh, I think he's just one of those guys that goes out and gives you everything he had. Uh, maybe he doesn't have great measurables and things that will jump out at you on paper. But you, when you watch him on film, um, you know, he's just a football player. So you're just going to have to find that, rota- that rotation. That will be the challenge uh, for, for Coach Kacerik is, is, is what is my rotation going to be? Uh, as you pointed out, the depth has taken a little bit of a hit. So you're going to have some guys maybe that are traditionally inside players playing on the edge, maybe some edge players that move inside. Um, just finding that comfort zone and starting to see, you know, where your your best pass rush opportunities are from uh, from a personnel group. 
Carrie Hyder, I love how you said an under-the-radar guy. He was one of the standouts following the 49ers Week 2 win over the Jets. But I want to jump to a guy that you brought up at the top of this. Uh, last year, you and I spoke about Kyle Juszczyk and the importance of the fullback position. And since we have a former fullback on the pod, uh, we've got to talk about Juice. How valuable is it to have a guy like him and what Sh- Kyle Shanahan does to this offense? Yeah, it's it was really interesting actually to to see the compliments from from Coach Judd uh, with the Giants and you know had had seen Kyle when he was in Baltimore and uh, it, <laughs> it was kind of funny because he said you know Kyle's one of those guys you know he, you can see it on special teams you know the athleticism and, and he's a space player and you don't really you don't really see that in the fullback position and they they'll break him out of formation and you know if you if you can get Kyle use check in space and get him matched up you know that that's that's a that's a dangerous thing for the defense and. Uh, so it's great to hear the kind of shift that Kyle has brought to people's perspective of the fullback position. You know, it, it used to be just a thumper and it was third and short and, you know, just leading up into the middle of the line of scrimmage, you know, uh, on a lead block. Uh, you know, now it's, hey, can they re- can they remove formation? Can they get on the outside? Can they make some plays there? Uh, I think every fullback has to be a key special teams guy. Uh, and and that's uh, that, that's an important part to being able to stay on these NFL rosters. But I, I just I really enjoyed the comments uh, that Joe Judge had about Kyle. And uh, it's great. You know, he's the success that uh, San Francisco has had with their offense and, and Kyle really kind of targeting. Kyle Juszczyk when he came to the 49ers and and, and one of the, the key components that he needed to have um, and and was very open about that. I, I think that that shows you, you know, the potential. And, and I think everything is cyclical in the NFL. So maybe we're starting to cycle back, um, you know, and, and bring the fullback back uh, into prominence in some of these offenses. I know the challenge is uh, there's not a lot of fullbacks in high school, which means there's not a lot of fullbacks in college which means there's not a lot of fullbacks in the NFL. So, uh, you know, I guess what we need are some of these high school coaches at these big programs to, to watch Kyle Shanahan's offense and go, you know what, I like that. You know, I want to start running that down here instead of running the spread. And I want to get some guys in, in, in the backfield and run the ball and control the clock. Kyle Shanahan calls him his offensive weapon, and I feel like we see that Kyle Juszczyk is able to do just about anything uh, in this offense. But – when you're looking at this 49ers roster heading into Sunday, they're without Raheem Mostert. They're without Tevin Coleman, two of their top running backs. Do you see the 49ers being able to use Juszczyk more being without two of their top guys? I can't wait to see how Kyle makes up for that. Um, I, I think it's going to be hard. Uh, you know, Jarek McKinnon um, has has showed that he's back from the injuries the last two seasons. It was great to see him uh, you know, perform the way he did so far here early in the season. We actually had the... I think it was the Arizona game last year when Jeff Wilson scored the winning touchdown, uh, you know, on that late drive. Uh, you know, I was impressed with him. I was impressed most with the confidence that the staff had to put him into the game at that situation and then have a play that was designed specifically for him. Uh, His first snap of the game. Yeah, right. It was unbelievable. <laughs> so to me, that that's a guy you don't want to sleep on. Um, can you get Kyle more involved? Maybe a little bit. I, I think it's hard to replace Raheem Mostert. Um, there's just a different gear there. And we've seen that the first two weeks uh, with his long touchdowns. Uh, so that'll be the big thing, you know, is, is the home run still there? Um, and maybe you don't think about that. You know, you don't think about the first play of the game. Uh, you know, it's a running play and, and all of a sudden Raheem's 80 yards and a touchdown. So, uh, you know, do you still have that ability in the backfield somewhere where it's the first play of the game and you're calling a, a, 
edge run to the right, and he goes untouched 80 yards for a touchdown. So uh, it, when that opportunity presents itself, is that speed still there in the backfield? I want to stay on the running backs for one more second. The 49ers lead the NFL, averaging 3.6 rushing yards before contact, and they're second in yards per carry at 5.6. What is it about Kyle Shanahan's scheme, about his offense, that makes the run game so dominant? Oh, uh, I wish I knew. Um, if I did, <laughs> I'd be coaching as well. Um, it's um, When you talk to defenses, it's – it's the execution, number one. Uh, the stress, number two. He challenges your eyes. Um, you can have a lot of athletic people there, but um, from a formational standpoint, uh, he's not afraid uh, to do things that are unconventional. Um, so I've, I've just really enjoyed you know, watching him do this. And, and we had a great conversation with him last year where he talked about the run game meeting that he leads on Fridays. Uh, and and boy, I'd, I'd love to have the opportunity to sit on that one time, um, you know, just to hear how everything starts here and then it expands out from the run and the way that he's able to tie in the play action and the misdirection and everything that feeds off the running game, um, you know, to complete that offense. It, it just, it puts so much stress on a defense. Um, teams, when we talk to them, they're always, hey, you know, we got to stop the run first and make them one dimensional. Well, that's all hearsay. You know, if I'm playing the Saints, if I'm playing some of these teams in the NFL, you know, I, I want to stop the pass first. You know, I, I you know, I'm, we're not afraid of the run. We feel like we match up well in the run. The, the thing that really scares us is the pass. When you play San Francisco, you have to stop the run. Uh, because like you said, I mean, th- those numbers are those that's not normal in the NFL to be three yards beyond the line of scrimmage before first contact. I mean, that is, that shows, you know, great blocking uh, up front, great scheme. Um, and then it also shows just how challenging it is from a defensive point to defend, because when you're not making contact until you'll be on three yards down the field, there's a lot of thinking going on. Manscaped is the official below the waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. We just talked about 49ers being without, let's say, their number one running back, uh, Raheem Mostert. I know Kyle Shanahan likes to use that by committee approach, but Mostert out, Tevin Coleman out for Sunday. Uh, and we have our fan questions. Dora Kisling Janko from Budapest. We have a fan in Budapest. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. But with the lack of offseason and the short preparation time, could that be the reason there's so many injuries around the league rather than the fact that players are training they're training individually opposed to being in house. Do you see any correlation between the two? I know it was a big concern um, just from what happened when we lost the preseason in 2011 with the CBA. And there was a lot of soft tissue injuries in the first month of the season. Um, The thing that scares me is, is we're not having soft tissue. We're having season ending injuries. Uh, You know, last week was just unbelievable. Um, and nobody knows it better than than San Francisco fans with Nick Boza and Solomon Thomas and you know Jimmy Garoppolo with a high with a high ankle and, and Raheem Mostert with an MCL. Uh, you go around the league, Anthony Barr uh, with a pack in Minnesota. Um, God, there was a no, Saquon Barkley uh, ACL. Um, it, it was just it was unbelievable to wake up Monday and Tuesday and and see what had happened across the NFL. So 
even though the, the preseason, I always refer to it as an unnecessary evil uh, that you had to go through. Um, it, it's very challenging. It's very demanding. Um, but there was a couple of a couple of things that you would benefit from. Um, number one, I always felt that we pushed ourselves in our training camps, you know, beyond a point of, of fatigue that we would never get in just a Sunday game. Um, so I think we increased our threshold to be able to concentrate and execute when we were mentally and physically exhausted. Uh, so I thought that that was always important. The other part is is getting your body ready for the physical component of the game. You can do Zoom calls and installs, and you know what we've heard this year is is you know you know transitioning from from the Zoom call to the grass. You know, getting out on the field. Okay, well that's great. We're out on the grass now, and we're actually functioning in a group, but we we still don't have the contact. Um, you were limited to fourteen padded practices. Is that enough? you know, to get the body ready for the intensity and the physical challenge of an NFL season. And, and I don't think it is. I, I'm, I'm nervous about seeing more shoulders. You know, shoulders was the injury I thought we were going to just be inundated with the first month of the season. I thought we would see a ton of, of uh, labrums, um, yeah. you know, had a few collarbones already. Um, you know, that that is, you know, kind of associated with with a contact injury. Um, so, you know, my, my big fear is, is this is going to be part of the NFL for the next, you know, three to four weeks until everybody's body starts getting accustomed to the physical contact component of, of what NFL game days are like. Yeah. 49ers hoping they can shake off this injury bug. Definitely week two is a week that this team would like to forget. It wasn't, it was a win, but it didn't necessarily feel like a win for many 49ers fans, but uh, let's talk about this season. There has been an article that came out actually on NFL.com that was saying that it's possible that all four NFC West teams could make the playoffs given this new playoff structure. What's your take on this extended wild card? Uh, I'm, the one part that I don't like about it is there is only one buy in each conference. Yeah. So the number one seed gets the buy in each conference. And I always felt that that was such a huge advantage that it needed to be shared with the one and two. Um, you know, I just think that that gives such a huge advantage to the team that's able to, to get that number one seed going into the playoffs. Um, do you have to, to take the extra spots to get that done? Yeah, apparently, you know, hopefully we're still working, you know, through this process and in years to come, we'll get, we'll get it sorted out. Um, I, I like the fact that we're going to have another team because I can remember seasons where there was a team that didn't make it that, that really should have been in there. Um, but because there was one real dominant division, they didn't get in. It, there's nothing more frustrating to see a 10 and six or an, I think there was actually an, an 11 and five team one year that sat out of the playoffs. And then you've got a division winner that's eight and eight or nine and seven. Yeah. And, you know, those are the things that drive you crazy. So if, if that helps remedy that situation, you know, maybe that's an OK trade off to lose a buy for the number two seed. Uh, but I think if we can get it to the point where we've got our top two seeds in the conferences on buys, um, and then we can eliminate, you know, that that 10 and 16 that doesn't make the playoffs. Um, you know, now we're in a win win situation and I'm really excited. But but I, I I agree with what what people are thinking right now. Um, the, the NFC West reminds me a lot of the NFC East when I was playing. Uh, you know, we would send three teams to the playoffs, uh, you know, multiple occasions, um, you know, whether it was us in the in the Eagles in the in the uh, Giants or us in the Eagles in Washington. Um you know, it, it was it was really, really strong in the early 90s. And, and you know, the old saying, iron sharpens iron. All of those NFC West teams, because of how challenging and physical their divisional games are going to be during the course of the season, are going to be battle tested for, for long playoff runs. 
as we're we're only in week three, but we're looking far, far ahead. We still have plenty of time until it is uh, that playoff time. Uh, but James LaGrama wants to know, despite all of the injuries the 49ers uh, have endured this last few weeks, uh, are they still a legit playoff team? And do you think, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but this is what we do at this time of year, but do you think they could still win the division? I think if they were probably in any other division in the NFC, you could say yes. Um, I, I just think the challenge is because of the division they're in um, and, and everything that we just discussed. I think it's going to be hard for them to go into the playoffs via division winner. Um, but that doesn't mean they won't be a good football team. Uh, you know, the the saving grace last season when you had your your guys out of the lineup, they were coming back. Uh, you know, McGlinchey was coming back and Juszczyk and was coming back and uh, you know, you, you were, these these players weren't gone for the season. It, it's hard when when Nick Boza and Solomon Thomas are gone for the year. That's a, that's a whole different thought process and a, and a whole different way you have to approach the season. You're not getting to a point where you're going to be back at full strength. Um, so you know that that'll be hard mentally for the guys. Uh, but um, I, I think just based on what they did last year, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how long. Jimmy Garoppolo is out of the lineup. I'm, I'm hoping that because there was some consideration this week that he may go, uh, that, that he'll be back next week uh, and things get back to normal. You start to get some of your guys back. Uh, I, I really love the short-term IR that's in place this year because of COVID-19. Um, so you, you, you get a Dante Pettis back. You get a Richard Sherman back. Um, you know, the, those are those are good things. Those are things to have some positive feelings about moving down the road. Um, but but I think I think San Francisco will be in the playoff mix. I think if you look around the NFC right now, some of the teams that we thought were going to be there are struggling out of the gate. Yeah. Um, you know, Minnesota has stumbled out. The NFC East is a mess again. Um, you know, the, the New Orleans Saints don't look as dominant as people thought they were going to be coming into this season. You know, Tampa Bay, it, they'll get better as the season goes on, but but I don't think they're yet either. Um, and, and, and Atlanta's had just a, a really heartbreaking start to their season. So, I, I think that that bodes well then for for not only San Francisco but for the entire NFC West because that that division as a whole has played really really well to start the year. You literally jumped to the next thing I wanted to ask you about NFC. There are some tough uh, opponents that the 49ers have on their slate and also that they might not be facing this season. But is there a team that has surprised you either positively or negatively in the NFC so far through two weeks? Uh, Minnesota would be the probably the one that's been a little bit disappointing. Um, you know, I just Mike Zimmer. I know Mike Zimmer. I know how detailed they are, uh, how fundamentally sound they are, and and for them to come out and start out zero and two, and and kind of the way they're zero and two as well. I mean, Green Bay really took it to them, um, and and then they just you know Indianapolis had gotten beat the week before, um, and and Minnesota just didn't match the intensity that that game. So that that's been the probably the biggest disappointment for me so far. I, I think the other teams you can look at. Um, and the jury's not out. Uh, unfortunately, the one that has surprised me, um, you know, is is you know kind of Seattle. You know, we, we had the Dallas game uh, against Atlanta um, week two, so we watched uh, Seattle Atlanta week one, and and Russell played extremely well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, um, so I, I just it's amazing what they do. They usually start out slow, and then they get better, and they peak at the right time. And it, it's kind of scary when when Seattle looks like they're functioning on all cylinders early in the season. Uh, right. <laughs> so that, that, uh, that, that, will be, that will be a tough divisional opponent for, for San Francisco this year. Having to play them twice, uh, that's a tall order. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped 
the official below-the-waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. Yeah, I think 49ers fans are well aware of that. It is frightening seeing Russell Wilson and co. playing the way they are just through two weeks of the year. All right, last thing uh, before we get you out of here. It's what's been the cloud that's been looming over the 49ers ever since February, and that's the Super Bowl hangover. What's your thoughts on this? Is is it real? Is it something fans should worry about? Is it something the 49ers should worry about? What is your thoughts on this? You know, I you have to look at the data, and the data seems to support it. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure why. Um, I'm blessed that we never had to experience that. Um, you know, the three Super Bowls that we went to, we were we were victorious. So we never had to come back the next year uh, and, and try and shake that off, uh, especially the way that game ended, uh, you know, with the lead in the fourth quarter, right in the wheelhouse of how San Francisco plays. Um, and then then Patrick Mahomes steals it from him. So that that, that was heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I I always felt that if anybody could do it after what happened to Atlanta um, against New England, I, I really just. You know Dan Quinn and, and the things that he does beyond X's and O's. I, I thought that that Atlanta might be able to kind of buck that trend, and uh, you know if if not for uh, you know that last play against the Philadelphia Eagles, you know I, I think they were going to be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but is it just too much? Is it just too much at that time? And when we played in our Super Bowls, our first two we played against the Buffalo Bills, and there was a point in the second Super Bowl when you could sense just kind of the life had gone out of them. You know, it was another mistake um, in that game. And I remember watching the four falls of Buffalo on the NFL network. And um, I think it was Steve Tasker actually said in the interview, you know, when that happened, it was just the life of it went out of us. Um, and it'd been just too much challenge, you know, too much disappointment, you know, four consecutive times and, and never having won the game. And it was weird to hear him say that and then be in the game and actually sense that and feel that. Um, so I, I do think that there is a, a devastating blow to a team potentially from an emotional standpoint. Now, you're talking about the Bills who did it four times, you know, not San Francisco who's done it once. Um, but I, I do. I, I think you're right on the precipice of achieving a childhood dream and it it, it doesn't go to completion. And I'm, I'm just I'm very I feel very blessed that I never had to deal with that and and very grateful that we didn't as a team. Daryl, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us here on the 49ers. You've got mail podcast. Um, I've been, we've been talking nothing but 49ers and we've talked injuries, but I didn't even get to ask you, how has this year changed for you covering games and how has the broadcast booth changed given this unforeseen, unprecedented off season and season that we're having? Yeah, it's, uh, it's had some challenges. Uh, I'm sure we'll find some things that, that we like, um, I don't know when. <laughs> uh, I know some of the technical guys. There's there's been a few areas where they think it it functions a little better, a little smoother, um, you know. But for for us, it, it's hard doing the interviews via Zoom. Um, I just I love I love sitting down with the players and the coaches and having a conversation. And I just think there's so much more information you can gather because there's a trust level you can you can develop and and they can have confidence in when you're you're sitting across the desk from them. So via Zoom, that makes that a little bit challenging. Um, you know, the crowds not being there and, and having yeah. to hear the, you know, the, the, the pumped in crowd noise into your ear. And, uh, you know, sometimes it becomes like white noise and, 
you know, they're doing as good a job as they possibly can. And, and, and our guys are fantastic at Fox. Uh, you know, we had our opener with with no fans. And then last week in Dallas, we actually had 21,000 fans. And, and I tell you what, those 21,000 people made a huge difference from week one to week two for us. Uh, and then the other thing is getting home. There's no, there are no flights on Sundays anymore. Uh, that's so right. The things good. you don't really think about. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's challenging to get home, and that's just, it ends up being another day away from your family. So, you know, that's become one of the more recent things that we weren't even thinking about until you started to try and book travel and and travel. You know, normally we would be eight weeks out. You know, we'd get our first eight assignments and and go from there. We, we're we're kind of week to week because you know we have to talk to the teams and see what works for their schedules. When can we do the Zoom calls? So we're really kind of living you know, day to day, moment to moment uh, in our preparation, which is is unusual. We've usually had a traditional schedule that we've stuck to pretty much the entire season. It, it's a crazy season for all of us. I can only imagine if I'm if I'm struggling over here having uh, these conversations every day over Zoom, I can only imagine how it is for you guys. But again, thank you so much for stopping by. I appreciate your insight and your knowledge and and uh, can't wait to see you on Sunday virtually. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Always a pleasure checking in with you.